This year is brought to you by Eshel Publications. Eshel Publications is a non-profit organization dedicated to spreading the Torah, Shiurim, and Sefarim of Rabbi Aaron Lapiansky. For sponsorships or more information, visit eshelpublications.com. Topic. It's a fascinating topic because it's so much part of our um, quote-unquote heritage that to say anything about it almost sounds blasphemy. But I'd like to explain where it came from, what we, what we know, what we don't know, and the pieces we can put together. So the only mention that there is in, in um, Talmud and, and Medrash about a golem, it's not called a golem, obviously. The Gemara says that Rava would create a person. Someone else tried to speak with him. He didn't talk. And he said, this guy is a fake guy. He was created by somebody. And the Moral actually explains why he couldn't endow him with the power of speech and so on. And, and he dissolved him. That's a Gemara, and that's it. Um, we have in the 17th century, and a little bit later, um, the Pacham Tzvi writes that he asks a question, this type of person that was created, could you be Metzarifim to a minion or not? To which one Rav said, I have a community of people like this. I'm not sure why why one person would be a problem. I have a kill like that. But the Racham Tzvi writes, a person like it says in the Gemara, Rava created, and it was told about my grandfather, Rebel Yoh Baal Shem from Chaun. Not the Baal Shem that we know of, a grandfather of his who was a mystic. It was said about him, he also did it. Those are the only two mentions we have of it. The Maral had three contemporary historians, people who wrote history um, during his time and later a little bit. He had a Talmud named Rabbi David Gans. Rabbi David Gans was a very Talmud Chacham. He, Rabbi David Gans um, was, a, was a scientist, an astronomer. He wrote history and he wrote a historical book called Tzemach David, in which, it is, in which it's sort of a review of Jewish history for his times. He mentions the morale and his greatness, and, and the only, he mentions the meeting with the king, and that's it. Not a whisper about a golem or anything like it. There's, the, there's a sefer called Shem Agdolim, by 150 years later, by the um, Chidor, who really did phenomenal amount of research. He was, he was a big, he was a, a godol who also had, knew everything about it. He traveled all over Europe, writes about the morale in the, most, in the most complimentary terms, doesn't mention a whisper of anything to do with a golem. Um, third of all, there's Seder Adoros. All of these were, were things that were much closer to, to the morale than we were. Don't mention a thing about it. So, so that silence is extremely powerful. The first um, time we hear a mention of a golem is somebody trying to knock it. In 1815, this Shir we spoke about, the Rav of Prague, who was who was a, a scholarly person, put out a put out a, a, a safer which had um, it had a list of monuments and stones and stuff like that, and he mentions and this incidentally puts the, the puts the story of a golem to a lie. So this is the first time we even hear that there was a story like that. Obviously, there already was a legend of some sort in his time about a golem. At the turn of the century, 1900s, I think it was 1905, maybe around that time, a Rav from Europe, 
named Rebutel Rosenberg, who was a Talmud Chacham. He had put out um, a He put out different Sfarim uh, that were that are known Sfarim. Publishes a book called Niflos Hamaral, and it has all the wonderful tales of the Maral and the entire story of the Golem, the way you know it and you heard about it. Yossel the Golem, and he wouldn't talk, and, and he, he messed up things, and so forth. He writes that he found this a manuscript in the ancient Royal Library of Mainz. His cousin Chaim Scharfstein got it for him, and, he's, and it was written by the Maral's son-in-law. So here is a book with many stories and tales about the Maral, the Golem tale being the most prominent one. Well, I mean, you can't get better than that. The Maral's son-in-law writes the stories about the father-in-law with the golem, so on and so forth. However, somebody, a contemporary of his, a Hungarian Jew named Rav Ekstein, wrote a counterwork called Sefer Yitzira, which means the work of creation. And he shows clearly that this thing is absurd, the whole thing. A, there never was a library immense. B, when pressed hard to produce a manuscript, he couldn't produce it. C, the Maral, his son-in-law, writes about the Maral's family and he gets it wrong. So you figure a son-in-law would at least know that he writes my brother-in-laws. He had only one brother-in-law. He writes about himself and the Maral had, had, you know, this son, and this son-in-law is a colonel of Racha. He writes about himself as a colonel of Racha because he was writing. His Hebrew, we have others from Hebrew. His Hebrew is a translation from Yiddish. You see the words are, are klotzy. He's, it's somebody translating from Yiddish, which was not uncommon, but the works that he really wrote that we have from of cats are beautifully Hebrew written. He also uses words that were not invented till later. So the word for a clock was not invented until 200 years later. And here we have somebody predating himself. We have him using words like machona for a machine, which is which is only in the late 1800s that that word became used for machine, and so on. Many words, and he also describes about the Tosus Yontif and the magnificent, magnificent safety road on 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 Mishnayis. The problem was the Tosus Yontif never published it in the lifetime of the person who was supposed to be writing this. So he might have been endowed with magnificent Ruach Hakodesh, but it's it's not. There's one more issue. He has a story about how the Maral found out that in the in, that in the library in London, in the museum in London, they had the stones of the Congodal there, and the Congodal stones um, are there. And and through a tremendous adventures, he got there and got them for the person, and so on and so forth. It's 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 a it's a really thrilling story, a really really intriguing story. Um, there was an Englishman a uh, hundred years before named Arthur Conan Doyle who writes the exact same story in English. Now he may have Ruach HaKodesh, but he wrote it in English and it actually happened, to, it, it, it was it's a story about the breastplate and Captain Cook going to, to so on and so forth. It, it, it's almost a very translation. So here you have a book that is obviously um, f- fake. It's 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 it, it, it's nothing. It's it can't be. It was right. The quote was it was clearly written as was. Now, um, the mystery is how somebody. 
Yes. So, now the question is, how would somebody like Rosenberg, who was a Chashvatam Chacham, wrote Chashvas Farim, he was a Rav in in Canada at the, at the his later part of life. Why and how would he do it? And and it's kind of mysterious. So Reb Lyman, who's an extraordinary historian and 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 Tam Chacham, is really Reb Lyman is is probably the best there is. It bothered him, and he was in Montreal going through archives, and he found a book that they put out in commemoration in commemoration of this Rabbi Rosenberg's 70th um, birthday. And they wrote about him and his works and so on and so forth. And he writes there that I have, he writes that the writings of Rabbi Rosenberg are in three categories. There are the halacha works that he wrote on Shaz and Shubas, there are drushes, and there are folk stories that he wrote. And it's obvious what he had intended to do was, just like Marcus Lehman, wanted to create literature for his kids, for kids in Germany to read. So instead of reading the trash, they'd read something with a Jewish motif to it. And it didn't make a difference, same with Marcus Lehman. The stories have very little real historical truth, but, but, but they help a kid learn the words, the understandings, the, 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 the heroes are the right people, the villains are the right people. So he did the same thing. He created a book in Yiddish that would help people, kids read it and, and so on, and people who aren't very literate read it and get a feel for it and so on and so forth. I'm sorry? No. No, no, he published it, he published it as if it was like that. It, but, but, but when he listed his accomplishments, his, his life's accomplishments, that's why it's listed. Um, somebody in the, in the, in the mid-1900s, there was a fellow named Bluff. Um, this fellow, Reb Chaim Bluff. Reb Chaim Bluff was a quote-unquote researcher who came up with a trove of 400 letters that he found. And one of them was a letter by... by one of them was a letter by the Maral's son-in-law describing fully, or the Maral himself, describing fully all the adventures of the Golem. And here we have another um, quote-unquote historical work that speaks about it. The problem is, many of his letters were letters from Gedolim, like the Nesivos, anti-Zionists. You know, they're saying that Jews are beginning to want to go to Israel and it's wrong and terrible and so forth. People got to work on it and they proved that the whole book is also fiction. For instance, you have 400 letters from different people, different times, this and that, and there's almost no difference in vocabulary and the structure of the sentences and so on and so forth. It, it, words, anachronisms, the, the whole entire bluff was found to be a, a, a totally, totally unreliable person, a forger of letters. There's a safer out called Forged Letters Against Zionism, written by some named Weingart and Mozart Cook. And therefore, um, that obviously, and he writes, I found these letters, and why would anybody want to forge these letters? They're obviously so, they must be true, because why would anybody want to forge letters like this? This can't be a forgery. You know, as, as Macbeth, that protests too much. But like, why, when nobody's accused of, being, of forging it, do you, do, you, do you write three times over that's not a forgery? So that also went out. So it's interesting, the stipler, 
wrote in one of his form. He wrote something about the golem as known, the the, the golem from the Aral, something about the known golem. And then in a later edition, he crossed out known and he wrote um, something along the lines of publicly speaking about Mefursum. In other words, not that he's trying to say that he knows it to be true, but it's something people talk about. He, he was very careful with that word. So I, I guess if, if, we, if we need to ask ourselves um, about the golem, the first thing is the silence of any contemporary of his who wrote his Talmidim, Tosis Yontif, as a Talmud, we know who's Talmud, and people wrote historical works, and not one of them even mentions anything close to it. It's very clear. And, and this, they say, well, they were afraid of government, right? this, it's nonsense. They were written, the Chidol lived near Tisrael, didn't live in, in, in Europe. Um, it, it's nonsense. The, um, the, the fact that we have zero, anything written about it, is, is, is very, very powerful evidence. There were stories woven around it, and that's clear. If in 1815 somebody is trying to debunk the stories, that means in the late 1700s some the stories were already there. It could be somebody had taken the stories about Rebel Yol Baal Shem, who was the Chacham Tzvi's great-grandfather, and had sort of woven it together and sort of made it interesting. The, the, the place where it came to public attention was this Nefalo Samaral, which is again, it, it's a work of fiction for good reasons. It was nice stories, but but it, it had zero connection to any reality. And it's it's kind of ironic, like somebody once said that he made the morale. Nobody thinks it important. That he made a golem. People think that that wow. Um, it, it's you know it's 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 something that's really meaningless in in the context of, of, of the history. In, in, you will see many statues of Golem here, a lot of tchotchkes. It's obviously a legend that intrigued people. It makes for good PR, and people love. We have zero record. I can't tell you didn't do, but I can tell you the only thing that's mentioned is that he he was seen by the King Rudolf. King Rudolf called him, and his son describes the meeting. He describes. The, the protocol of going to the public room and then a chief minister takes him to the next room. He said he overheard the conversation, but he says, the morale, the real, the real son, it's a real son. Like he, yeah, and and this, this is a real account. And he says it's not some of the public, it's anyone's guess. The common guess is he saved the Jews. The more, the probably more reasonable guess, they have a bunch of guesses. The most reasonable guess is Prague was a center of science, philosophy. Um, it, it was a very, very, um, it, it, it was a very intelligent city, very intellectual city. The king had interest in that, and he had heard the morale is a, a highly, a, a, a high intellect, and probably had a conversation that dealt with, he wanted to get to know the morale as for his brains, which is the right reason to get to know the morale. That, that, that is actually, that's a plausible reason. That's, of all the things that's written, everything else is, is you know, up in the air. It's, uh, it's hard to deny something you don't know, but there is no real account of it. That there were many xeris against the Jews, it's true. I want to add, so that's the golem and, and, and all about it. I want to add two or three more things. I, I know I'm, I'm stopping people from shopping at Omer Chaim Zohu, <laughs> but I, I, I want to speak about issues that the morale face. So, 
we have the morale um, being somebody who is this great Torah giant. We have mis- the mystery. The one mystery is why did he keep leaving the city and coming? He wasn't accepted as a rov for very late in his life. There was there were politics here, and I'll give you in his forum. The morale, besides deep intellectual stuff, speaks about three public issues that occupy made much, much space in him. One is drinking samyayin. People were into, obviously, drinking samyayin, not, not kosher wine. I guess the Tokay wine in Budapest just didn't do the trick for them, or, or whatever it was. And he writes three, four places. He has long, long um, writing against it. It obviously was very, very common, and even amongst people that expected differently. A second item was the way in which they learned in yeshivas. He was very unhappy. He felt he spent an inordinate amount of time in Pilpul, didn't know enough information, and he writes strongly against it, strongly against the strong yet. That seemed to have been a major issue that certainly occupied him. The third issue was a very horrible public issue, and I think it's important to share it. There were two families that got into a fight, and one family decided they will take revenge. And they started a rumor that this family, some of the children are a result of some incest and the mamzeri. And they smeared the family, the kids of mamzeri. You cannot get a worse smear than that. And it created fights, embarrassment, um, people were destroyed. What was going on was horrendous. The morale spoke from the Bima in Prague. His, his, the drushes we have, one of them is dedicated mostly to it. He, he, he writes the sharpest things, and then he signs off on a big harem. That anyone that even mentions the word, the word they used was Nadler. Nadler means a, a, um, some type of mark. And they said the simon on the child is that he has a mark of some sort. And anyone that would even pronounce the word, he said, they would put it to harem and curse forever. And it seemed to have worked and put a stop to it. But, but this was, he had to fight the communal leaders. This was obviously a political issue. Obviously, it's, it's, there were sides in it. And, 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 it's, and it seemed, it may have been the reason why he had a hard time becoming a rub, because he was so outspoken and so vehement. He, 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 he does not pull any punches in those drushes. In any topic that he speaks about, his sharpness is incredible. So there were real problems. And, you know, if we think today, well, you know, Take a look uh, it, on, online, you can smear anybody, you can this and that. If you, every generation has its problems. And, and this is a horrendous problem of, of, of extraordinary proportion. Because even a person who's not involved in locus, someone grabs me a shit up, but somebody said that this family is like that. So even if I don't believe them, but why would I want them, them to cast this person on my grandchildren? It's incredible. The damage something like that does is incredible. And the morale was so sharp, and with the, the strongest echerim uh, against people who would even read the word about it and mention it, he said it's absolute sheker. They've investigated it, and anyone who, who talks about it is put in the chayim. He signs off off with, with many other abanim, and it's uh, obviously it seemed to, have to put some end to it. But it's it's you know it, even even you know we think of the morale just in terms of the philosophy and kabbalah and that. There was a real community, real people, real issues, and it needed certain strength to be able to deal with, with things that were that were as as difficult as that. Okay, so.